You are now listening to the greatest show in the universe. Hey man, this is Tommy Chong. Right now you're listening to the Anthony Rogers Show. Hey, this is Jordan Belfort, the real Wolf of Wall Street, and you're listening to the Anthony Rogers Show. The Anthony Rogers Show. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Sean Danielson from Smile Empty Soul, and you are listening to The Anthony Rogers Show. The Anthony Rogers Show. Brian Bandrock from the Verb Pipe here, and you're listening to The Anthony Rogers Show. Hey, this is James Jude Courtney, Michael Myers, aka The Shape, and Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and the soon to be released Halloween Ends. And this is The Anthony Rogers Show. I am Dave Holmes from MTV and Esquire Magazine, and you are listening. To the Anthony Rogers Show. What's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, the Godfather, and cannabis expert, <laughs> and connoisseur. And you're watching the Anthony Rogers Show. Peace. Luxurious Bastard Beard Co. is the best in beard care products. Grow a beard, be a man, and use Luxurious Bastard Beard Co. Use promo code LEGENDARY to get a discount. And get your Christmas shopping done early. Luxurious Bastard Beard Co. Link in description. Hamper offers a premium monthly smoking subscription box for all of your smoking essentials. Avoid trips to head shops and gain access to limited edition bongs and smoking goodies. Discover limited edition glass and innovative accessories. 3 million boxes shipped. Get this month's box $39.99 for over $100 in smoking gear. Wild Protein Chips. Comfort food you can count on. Chips made from chicken breast, egg whites, and bone broth. High-protein chips crafted from real ingredients, chicken breast, egg whites, and bone broth. No nuts. No gluten. No grain, no dairy, no potatoes. Use promo code LEGENDARY and try them for yourself. Hello everyone from around the world. I want to tell you Chom Dipping Sauce is so so good and is so so spicy. It makes every day a good day. Right now you can use the link in description or promo code Anthony Rogers one word to get a discount and try the fresh and best dipping sauce Chom Dipping Sauce. Welcome back to the greatest show in the universe. Um, today we have a huge show. Uh, we have an author, a uh, TV star for uh, several things. I mean, I guess, I guess people are multifaceted. We have another multifaceted uh Entrepreneur and entertainer, uh, Vincent Vargas. How you doing, brother? Good. How you doing? Good, man. Good. Um, yeah, you've done a lot of stuff. It's weird to intro introduce people that have done a lot of things because, because like usually it's just like it's like oh, this is like a school bus driver. It's like all he ever did was like drive a school bus, but like you know what I mean or something. But like yeah, you have a book. You have a book that just dropped right now, right? Yeah, yeah. I got a book right now. It's uh, it's out. Bam, yeah, borderline out. And that was your experience as a like you you were. What exactly was your job like there? Yeah, I was a border patrol agent from 2009 to 2015. Uh, and for, you know, two years of that was just a regular border patrol agent. But the rest of my time was spent as a special operations medic for the border patrol. Most probably wouldn't know that the border patrol has special operations teams. And I spent most of my time doing search trauma and rescue missions, as well as attached to a BORTAC team, which is like our SWAT. 
doing uh, you know high risk warrants and many other little things. Yeah, that's crazy, man. So what is that like? So I mean, did you, you like what? Uh, what was the border situation then? I guess then. Uh, it wasn't as crazy as it is now in the sense of, you know, currently we have like a massive influx of illegal immigration. Uh, back yeah. then it was probably a little bit more, uh, drug trafficking that we were trying to stop. Uh, you know, at any moment, you know, the, the career can get dangerous and at other times it's like a humanitarian mission. So, uh, it's kind of why I wrote the book. I think it's just super complex career field that most people don't really understand. And I think what most people know about the border patrol is what they've taken from, uh, you know, the media or whatever the case. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, that's. I mean, I know Lucy what TV tells me, but I mean, yeah, I don't. I I've never done that job. I don't know nothing about it, man. Where do you that's, live? Uh, I'm in St. I'm out of St. Louis, like uh, some, the okay. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're so far removed from 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 the border. I'm in Texas. I'm currently in Dallas, Texas. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know there's a lot of yeah. I mean, I definitely know. I agree with your problem now. I mean, all those just letting in fighting age men for some reason. Like, it's, I mean, like through the border mostly. That's what it seems like now. It seems like some weird, like global globalist takeover kind of thing happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of takes on that. It's a weird, it's a very strange time to see that. Uh, you know, the administration's really not. I don't know, not really putting on any kind of, um, you know, restraints on what's going on currently, and so we're in a very strange time right now in our society. And uh, and still, you know, the media makes it look like the border patrols just has an open border, and that's completely false. What is the I definitely agree that is the story. What um what exactly is happening? Like well, you know, a lot of people say we it looks like we have an open border and you know uh, but the truth is it, we we don't have an open border. We have the border patrol doing its job by apprehending every individual that comes across illegally or as many as they can, right? Because it's still a cat and mouse game. But the problem that happens is after apprehension uh, you know, after the apprehension of an illegal immigrant, they get processed through the system and then they get determined to be, you know, whatever the case is. And so they make it, they say what their case is. Most of them say that's uh, some kind of, you know, hu humanitarian case like uh, seeking asylum. And if they're claiming asylum, uh, currently the process is that we can't make the determination of that. The border patrol is not a, we don't do investigative, um, you know, skills. And so what we do is process them for that. And then they get handed off to ICE, which is, you know, the, the next kind of immigration process for holding. And since there is no situation currently that is established for a humanitarian holding, uh, they just release them currently into our society until they have a notice to appear, which is like uh, to see an immigration judge at a later date. And currently that date is so overwhelmed. It's coming from five years to 10 years. Uh, and the statistics have proven recently that only 3% ever come back to see an immigration judge. That's crazy. That was a lot of crazy information. Like, that's uh, yeah, no, it's like uh, that's why. So, what got you into this kind of work originally? Like, what uh, what kind of motivated you to get to do that? I guess. Uh, you know, I was in the military as a special operations kind of dude, and um, you know, spent I did, spent the better part of my career uh, going overseas. You know, went to Iraq once and Afghanistan twice, and so. Um, after spending time overseas, you kind of want to figure out how you can do the same thing at home. And once I found out that the Border Patrol has a special operations unit and we can potentially be protecting our country from potential terrorist threats, uh, that became like, oh, okay, that sounds like the next thing for me. I can do kind of the similar thing I'm doing overseas, but now doing it in our own country. Um, I didn't know much about the Border Patrol. I knew enough from a friend who was kind of telling me a little bit here and there. And um, 
as I got out, you know, and I applied for it, went through the process and got into the career field, I started to really see, uh, you know, the layers pull back of how complex this career field is and, and how many layers to uh, being a border patrol, but not even that our immigration system as a country. And so, um, you know, I was just inspired to kind of continue to do the same thing I did overseas here in our own country. All right. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Like, that's just some hero stuff, man. So, like, you've done it all, man. You did military, I guess, like, uh, uh, author, Border Patrol, uh, TV shows, man. Like, well, uh, how, uh, what, what's up with that? Like, how'd you get into acting, I guess, from military? Just like, they're like, how'd that segue? Yeah, it's kind of odd. You know, I started doing YouTube skits with some buddies, and um, the YouTube skits got really viral. And then from that, we kind of decided, let's produce a movie. You know, we, we thought we were going to be the next Broken Lizard, you know, uh, make a bunch of funny films, but we produced one film and, um, that was a, that was a, a hell of a challenge. But after doing that one film, I kind of felt like I got the Hollywood bug. I wanted to just get deeper into acting and potentially writing in Hollywood. And so, um, I just kind of pivoted my life towards that and got lucky enough to land a big audition and land the show Mayans MC. Yeah, it's awesome. My buddy was telling me that was a, that was a huge show. That's great. Like, uh, was, my buddy was talking about that earlier. That's crazy. Yeah, you was Same. is there like an audition process for that? Or like more of like who you know or like what kind of situation is that? No, it's definitely an audition system, but I think um you know they were they were looking for something, you know, and I think it was just showed up at the right place, right time, right look. Um, and you know, when I went to audition, you know, I guess I looked the part as much as anything else, being tattooed and everything. And um yeah, man, I got lucky. I don't know. It's like a Cinderella story. It's it's a it's, it was a lottery ticket. I, I just got lucky and made it happen. That's very it's very honest and humble answer, man. I, I, I think it is a lot of hard work and luck that does come with that. You know, I mean, you had to, I guess, apply for it originally, but I mean, yeah, it's up to someone else's choice too. I mean, I, I could see both of that. You know, it's like, a, was that something you always wanted to do, or you kind of just fell into more so, just from like kind of like skits and stuff, like? Yeah, you know, um, I've always enjoyed. Um, this, the I enjoyed watching people do it first and I didn't have the guts to do it. And eventually I got to college, I did some theater and that's where I kind of knew like, man, this is kind of cool. But, uh, you know, I was playing college baseball and then I ended up having to join the military and I had to join the military more, more so I lost a full ride scholarship. And so I kind of had to pivot my life a little bit. Uh, the war was happening and I had a daughter and so I chose the military. And so I kind of put that little pipe dream behind me until like i said by chance got pulled into youtube and then from youtube got inspired to kind of do more and it's kind of kept going and now currently you know i i, I left that show as a as a writer of the show as well so um that's kind of like the direction i'm hopefully moving more towards is writing and then a little bit of acting still well yeah i'd say you're a writer if you wrote a book and if it's on like the best-selling list i mean so i mean i'd say yeah i'd say you're a writer too man you know already like like yeah uh, I'd, say, I'd say it's doing well your plan's doing well is what i'm saying oh yeah that's great that's crazy. Yeah, no problem. Man. That's crazy. I love seeing the American dream. And I love seeing people like putting the work and stuff, man. I like that. Uh, I love yep. that aspect. Man. It seems like you, you just got a lot of stuff going on, man. What was your scholarship for that uh, from uh, for college originally? Oh, baseball. You know, I was a pitcher and an outfielder. And so um, I was playing in the summer. I was playing up in Chico State and uh, had a good summer season. And I got a call from a coach that said, hey, we want to give you a full ride. And I was like – uh, fuck yeah let's go so i head out to uh, kentucky and um it didn't take much than a year for me to lose my scholarship because of my, my academics <laughs> i fell oh, out of college man. 
Well, that's got to be hard. I mean, I mean, playing games full time, like working out, all that stuff, plus like plus studying on top of that. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I could, yeah, I, could I, was actually, I was also a big drinker, so you know, <laughs> I didn't help myself, dude. <laughs> I blame yeah, myself. It's hard to be drunk, probably. Yeah, I know it's it's a. Uh, I, I think I think it's hard sober, but definitely harder drunk. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> Cause, I mean that's a lot though. I mean, and it seems like you keep putting yourself back in the game though. You didn't, you didn't let it define your like a lot of these guys. You'll just hear like they'll mess up like one time, but like, man, I could have done something, you know. And then like you know, it's just like when you're back in the ring doing like just kind of do other things. That's cool, man. Just yeah, got, trying. Got you there. trying, yeah, trying to keep it going. What's on the What's on the books for you? Like, what are some goals? Do you, like, you think uh, like you'll be accomplishing like, next year, like after that and stuff? Like, uh, as far I mean, you seem like a person. Yeah, you know, I think I kind of found my niche in this space. I'm going to hopefully, um, you know, I'm working on trying to get on a couple of shows as a writer, but as well as, you know, I'm pitching a couple of shows of mine as well. And so it's just the Hollywood hustle, man. You go out there, you, you audition for, for roles and get some acting and you get some opportunities in writing and you, you, you know, you, I'm, I'm kind of a creative, so I write my own stuff as well. I have another book I'm working on currently and um, I do a lot of stuff on the board. I do a lot of consulting and so it's something that's near and dear to my heart and trying to kind of, um, you know, be still stay a part of the, the the service and help in some capacity. And so I do that outside of that, you know, we have a nonprofit and we have a, a company called Light Diffuse Wellness. And so we focus a lot on men's mental health. And so we're just really sitting here uh, finding ways to grow that business and continue to help men find, uh, you know, comfort in their own skin, really, you know. So that's kind of uh, the angle that I've kind of pivoted my life to is providing service to others. And uh, in the same time in Hollywood, you know, it's it's creating a message that that hopefully is profound for people and, and, and people can be inspired or, or entertained. That's awesome. That's really that sound like really true to yourself. And I like I like I kind of like that energy, man. Um, so were you pro, were you pro wall or like what was your what's your standpoint as a as a border? Like- yeah, as a as a border patrol agent, I think we all are pro wall, you know. And I, I was you know, hoping so. I, you, you never know these days. I was hoping so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because you know the wall sounds sounds like a thing, but the wall is just one part of a very robust, you know, homeland security kind of system. You know, when you have the wall, that's nothing more than just kind of a funnel to help, you know, manage traffic in areas that are very austere and difficult to, to work as a border patrol agent. So it, it, it proves itself to be almost like a force multiplier. It helps us with those, the, the challenging terrain that we have to work. It helps us kind of manage the traffic. There's always going to be someone who, who tries to find, find a way to get through it, over it or under it. Uh, but that's few and far between. And it actually slows down the traffic and gives us an opportunity to kind of do our job. But, you know, when people say the wall, they were so offended by it. But that wall's been there since the Obama administration. And 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 all they were doing is adding to that wall and other areas that that we could prove to be, you know, difficult to work. And so um, I think the wall kind of t- got taken out of context and turned into a, you know, politi- political argument that kind of represented more than what it is. Uh, if, if you have no idea about the border, you know, people who live on the border were, were sitting there themselves saying, we already have a wall, you know? And so it was really something that's taken out of context, turned into an argument and made us to kind of divide our, our, our views. And, and uh, I think it was kind of silly. And uh, when you actually understand the border um, it's, it really isn't that big of a deal that people made it. So it was kind of funny. I agree. 10,000%. That was the most articulate way I've ever heard it said. No, that was, that was really well put, man. <laughs> That was it's true. I mean, like, like, no, it's crazy, man. Like, uh, you think Mexico should have paid for it too? I'm not <laughs> back to it. I think Mexico should have paid for it. That's pretty guilty, you know. 
<laughs> that's a funny one. No, I mean, look, man, if we want our own security, then we have to do our own thing. <laughs> fair. That's an honest answer. That's fair, man. No, you seem real, man. I like that. So what's some crazy stuff you've seen? Like, like I'm, I'm sure you like have dealt with a lot of stuff. Like, what's some crazy stuff you've seen? Just like people being like some kind of smuggling or like, any kind of thing like that. Like, like, what's some wild stuff you've seen? Like, like yeah, that's that's. I mean, look, human smuggling yeah, and drug smuggling. Yeah, yeah. Read the book. No, uh, human <laughs> smuggling and uh, and uh, you know, and drug trafficking happens daily. You know, it just depends if you see it or you don't. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for us to apprehend uh, kids who are smuggling dope. When I say kids, you know, there's 11 year olds, 12 year olds, 13 year olds, 14 year olds transporting dope. Um, and that might come as a surprise to some people. For, for us, it's kind of common. As well as, you know, how many people die attempting to try and cross uh, the river as well as, you know, attempting to to enter into America and find themselves on ranches with the austere conditions and the weathers. Uh, you we, we lose a lot of illegal migrants trying to make the attempt to come across. And so it's a career field that is filled with a lot of humanitarian mission. It's filled with the op option of we really do try and safeguard human life as much as possible because of how dangerous it is for people to cross. A lot of illegal migrants do not know how to swim, but they're manipulated by trafficking organizations to cross. And, uh, you know, that becomes a very unfortunate game that they play. It's they're they're pawns in this game of chess that the that the the smuggling organizations are making money off of. And we, on the other hand, try to do our best to safeguard as many lives as possible. But uh, it's a challenging, challenging career field, man, where, where you know, death is common. And, uh, you know, they see it often in a 30 year career. It's 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 a it's a hard, hard living. Yeah, I think that's why they tried to uh, shut down the wall thing originally is because like uh, of all the trafficking of drugs and human beings and stuff I, I think those people in on it like try to like like you said like what i uh, politicize it or whatever like make like issues be like well if you like protecting your family you must <laughs> or, you know, i mean like it's a bad thing it's just like weird it seems like the guys selling the drugs kind of wanted the wall to not or even not be as focused on as trump was i guess you know yeah it's it's a it's a really weird situation that happens currently even through every administration there's something that happens on the border a conversation i think every president says they want to fix it and they make you know they make a couple bold choices and and that's it but you know um the 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 immigration you know policies that are put in place and the process is very complex uh you know i like to tell people there's no one plus one answer that that'll fix this whole thing it's actually more of like a a seven layer cake and the recipe for that cake if you give a little too much or a little little uh not enough of one recipe you can damage the whole thing and i think currently we have a kind of a damaged immigration system that has been years and years of needing overhaul and uh we are going to continue to see these issues if we don't really take a good look at, at the whole complex issue and make it make some answers, you know? I think we should kick everybody out. Americans too, you know, just kick, kick everybody out. Uh, let's start, <laughs> off, let's start over. Start over. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Start over. Like maybe this time we get a president that can like walk and form sentences and stuff. It'll be cool. You know, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll try it. We'll, we'll try it differently, man. Like, you know, um, but no, I think like what I actually respect a lot of what you do. To be honest, jokes aside, I think that's a I think that's a very serious job. I think that like uh, and I appreciate that. I mean, I think like uh, our security depends on it, like like 100. You know? percent I mean, I mean the Nazis try to come in through Mexico, man. You know, like like like, like in the 40s. You know, it's like you, you definitely got to watch these borders. I mean, like especially in times like now, when we have like, a fool for a president, and all the other all the other leaders are salivating. You know. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we, 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 
Yeah, we definitely have some vulnerabilities yeah. that are currently uh, we're we're showing our panties, if you will. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they have to be just like they're like this is my moment. You know, like like, like finally I gotta I could do this. But I mean, they, the the bad news for them is they have to deal with the American public still. You know, and I think we're way smarter than our institutions. And I think there's a lot of guys like you and like myself and other things that they, you know, I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think this country's going anywhere. You know. Yeah, I agree. I think we, I think uh, the patriotism in our country is still strong, and and the founding ideologies, you know, are still heavily believed in, whether whether we have a voice or not. Um, I think there's a lot of us who still believe in this, the land of opportunity, you know, and and, you know, if you go speak out to and interview people, I think you know immigrants who came here legally, they feel the same. You know, if you, I, I sat there at, at a bar recently. I don't drink. I'm sober, but I sit at a bar often when I'm flying, and. Uh, I drink my virgin, uh, uh, freaking, what are they called? <laughs> I don't know, the spicy ass tomato drink, whatever the fuck that thing is called. But, um, you know, I talked to the bartender and he's, he's a migrant. He just, he's, he's he was illegal, illegally admitted into this country through the system. And he, he voiced his own opinion on saying, man, I really love this country. It's given me everything. And, you know, it's funny that a lot of people probably don't even see that, that most, you know, the immigrant mentality is actually a thing where people talk about like the immigrant mentality, which the immigrant mentality when my parents era, my grandparents era was come to America and, and reap the benefits of the opportunities of how hard you work, you earn. Uh, and that is still alive and kicking. That's a, still a thing. You know, I'm a third generation Mexican and, uh, you know, look at me, I'm writing television shows in Hollywood. It's some of the biggest influences of our time and being able to construct the messaging that I feel is valuable for our nation. And uh, that's that's a lot of power. That's a lot of opportunity. That's a lot of, you know, my mother used to pick cotton, right? My mother used to pick cotton, right? And so to say my mother started there and here, here's where I am now, uh, it just goes to show you that this this is still the land of opportunity if you choose to to use that. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I'm, I'm probably fourth generation American, or third or fourth or something. I think fourth, and and like and yeah, you're right. A couple generations ago, people picked cotton here too. I mean, poor Southerners did. I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to make a slavery joke, you know, but I'm just saying like this poor, just poor Southerners. Like I mean, every race did. It. Everyone does it, you know. And I, at one point, I mean, everybody came went from the farm to the cities to the suburbs. I mean, and this yep. is the awesome team. I mean, I, like the best of everyone come here. I mean, you you you're saying these people are, are willing to drown to be here, you know? I'm, I'm like, there's yep. not a, there's not a line for that anywhere else in the world. Like, you right. know, there's not, there's not a line like that. Like anymore that's, else. that's, that's exactly it. You know, um, that's exactly it. Like people are willing to die for this and, you know, their belief in willing willingness to die for this opportunity. You know, I think there's people who live in America that don't even, don't even have their own gratitude towards what they have in the, and the lottery ticket that they, that they won by being born here, you know? And so, you know, when I come about, when I, when I talk about immigration, when I talk about the border patrol, you know, I come from it from a, from a position of empathy, I understand, you know, what the challenges that they face in some of these countries. And I understand, you know, the efforts that people make and the willingness to 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 sacrifice their own life and trying just making the effort of coming to America. And so I, I don't really joke on it too much in the fact that it's a it's a very it's a very complex situation. And when you're talking about immigration, you have to also talk about homeland security at the same conversation or else you're doing it a disservice because we have to we have to be a country that allows immigration. That's what we're all built on. But as well as that's legal immigration, the legal process. On top of that, we have to also make sure that we're providing security for our people in our nation. And so the conversation, as much as it's left and right, it's actually more in the middle of the answer is we have to have both of those. And we have to find a way that they simultaneously um, are pleased. And, and that means that our 
legal immigration system has to be, have an overhaul that makes it a more streamlined possibility for those who really need it. Uh, on top of that, the illegal immigration side has to have repercussions for those who break the law. And so uh, that's that's the situation that we're dealing with. No, very well said. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pro-legal immigration for sure. I mean, we all, we're all, we all started there. I mean, I didn't, but my grandfather did, you know, like, 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 like somebody did to be your man. I think that was very well said and thought out and stuff. And, um, and like, when you said you don't joke about it, I couldn't, I couldn't help but like think in my head, like, uh, like when you said, it's like, like, like if I was Mexican, like walking across the border, I'd be like, I, to you, I'd be like, come on, bro. You know, it's like, like do, you, do you have like Mexicans? Be like, like, dude, come all on. The time. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, dude, they'll read your name tag and be Vargas, que pasó, wey? You know, and you're like, uh, bro, <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, just trying to articulate that conversation alone is extremely challenging. I, I, I touched on it in the book and trying to explain that, you know, like I grew up in Los Angeles, California. And look, man, I know my color, my skin color. I'm brown, dude. And in some of my friend groups, I'm 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 the beaner, you know, and in some of my other friend groups, I'm the coconut. Right. My friend groups who are Mexican, who speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish very well. So I'm the coconut. Right. Which means I'm brown on the outside, but white on the inside. You know, and then, <laughs> That's and then, yeah. And then my other group of friends who who are just, you know, baseball players and w most of them are white or black or Asian. They look at me and be like, you're a beaner. And I'm like, holy shit, man. I'm like, I'm not good enough for one group. I'm not good enough for this group. I'm always something to other groups. And it's just really it's it's growing up in L.A. You I'm part of this, you know, this melting pot. And I wasn't raised knowing race. I wasn't I didn't there wasn't a thing in my my, my head. It wasn't a thing my parents taught. Uh, and we also were never born believing that, you know, there was this figment of their imagination that was holding us down or slowing down our progress. Right. I was just very blessed to have parents who believed in just work your ass off and earn everything you 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 want. And. So as you get older and now our society seems like everything is built off race and everything has a, a racial undertone. And I, I still personally don't even, I like, I don't even acknowledge that. I think like, Oh, that's, that's just people thinking that's perspective and that's a, that's a, the wrong perspective. And so it's a really interesting time. You know, when, when me being a board agent, my last name is Vargas and people don't understand it. But like, well, I do, I do understand that because I'm an American and I serve our country. and I want to protect this nation, but I also understand immigration and I understand how complex and, 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 and I have empathy for it, but you want people to have empathy for that. Who is working this job. You want people to actually care about the situation. And if you don't, then we're just robots. Right. And, and with no soul. And that's not true either, but that's what the world wants to perceive us as. And that's unfair. Yeah. I think you, that makes a lot of sense, man. And I like how you touched on that. Like, uh, because I mean, I mean, I'm Irish. We came from like a potato famine to like America. You know, it's like I mean, I mean, I, th I think like no matter what you do, I mean, you I, you could build your own life here, and I think that's very important. And it's like if you think race is holding you back, you're right. And if you don't think it is, you're right. You know, no no matter what, you're going to limit yourself or not. You know, and and yeah, and you, I, you I say that that's, that's exactly a quote. I've I've been writing a lot about that. And it's like if you if you think you're oppressed, well then you are. Right. It's it's yeah. it's it's a state of perspective. And if that's how you feel, then so be it. But I just refuse to to give my kids that same ideology. I refuse to do that to myself. Yeah. I mean, it's, to me, it's like everyone's just arguing over crayon colors. I'm trying to get rich. I'm like, I don't even care. They're like, they're like, well, this color, this color. I'm like, I don't even I'm just trying to get rich, man. I don't even give a fuck about any of that, man. Like, yeah. to be honest, like. It's true, man. It's true. The fact is we're all human and we all have opportunity and we choose to either use it or, or, or be victims to it. Yeah, that's true. That's like if I just complain about being called fat in like middle school. I'm like, man, ever since I got called fat in middle school, like, I really can't do anything. I can't have a job. Can't contribute to society. You know, it's like I'm a, you know, I'm just, I'm just not as good as everybody else. You know, it's just what yeah. a dumb thing to think, man. It's like what a. I joke, uh, yeah, I joke with my kids, and now they're gonna blame me for everything. I'm like, oh yeah, you're just gonna blame dad for everything. I'm sure. They're like, oh, I can't get a job. My dad, my dad did this. My, it's like all these. I hate my dads. Uh, I give them all shit because like 
you, that's what you see the society doing today. The society wants to blame, wants to point fingers at someone and never want to take, you know, their own accountability. You know, they don't, they don't want to, you know, self, self accountability, right. They don't want to do that. They want to point the finger and blame someone for the reasons. Every single time, every <laughs> single time. Like, it's not even like, you know, it's not even like a half thing. It's like a 90% thing. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. Like I'll call people out all the time and like, it's always my fault that they did something, you know, like every, like every time it's like, I'm like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. Like when you were like making mistakes, it was my fault. Yeah. And no, I forgot. Yeah. It, was just, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Like, I think I have to, I think you have to like reflect on your own mistakes too all the time. You know, you can't just be like, dude, like, I'll say it. I think that's the only way we grow is by, you know, my son, he was just at a wrestling tournament. He lost both matches. And I, and I was like on the drive home. I'm like, what happened? He goes, I don't know. I said, were they better than you or, or did you beat yourself? He goes, I don't know. I was like, well, the first thing we have to do is identify that. Because yeah. if you can't figure out where you made a mistake, well, then there is no room for improvement and we need to improve, obviously. And so that's kind of how we do it in this in this house is like, dude, you got to be flat honest. You got to be a very, you know, harsh critique on yourself and say, hey, this is where I'm wrong. And this is how I fix it. You know, if you can't identify where you're wrong, well, then you're never going to try and fix it. No, I agree. I think, yeah, I think my criticism is harshest on myself. And I think like, I, I feel like I'm like G-rated to everybody else. They can't handle it. You know, I'm so, you mean, compared, comparatively speaking, you know, it's like. And I don't, have, I don't have kids or anything, like that, but I definitely, I definitely respect that like kind of conversation. I mean, I think that was probably, probably a tough time losing matches. And I think like the way you, the way you brought that up is good. I mean, it's true. I mean, you lost, you have to, you have to figure out how to win. I mean, that's like same with chess or anything else. It's like, it's like, like I, I play like mass chess games on my phone. Like just like, I, like and like if I if I get beat by some kid in like Argentina, I'm pissed. I'm like, how do, I'm like, how did this happen, Argentina? You know, like I let you beat me. You know, it's like you get amped up. You know, <laughs> that's exactly it, man. I'm like, how do I how do I beat this kid next time? You know, how do I how do I beat this eleven year old kid at chess next time? You know, or whoever beat me, you know. That's what, yeah, it, feels that's like. it. <laughs> that's what it feels like, you know. But like, yeah, I like that aspect, and I think I think America is an amazing thing, and people are just like afraid to say it, and they don't understand it either because they have no like comparability. They don't like they, they, you know what I mean. Like they, like survival is a water faucet because I, I my grandparents' generation was really smart, you know. Like basically, yeah. like we're living off the fat of like the of like the World War II generation, basically still, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's crazy. It's a crazy, it's a crazy time we're living in. I think you know, you know. I think back in the day when you you we were cavemen, we had to find a way to survive. So you didn't you couldn't complain if you had an ingrown toe. <laughs> you know, you couldn't complain if you, you know, you couldn't complain about the weather. Or you had a bad hair day back then. You're just trying to survive. I think now we have it so easy that everyone's looking for some reason to complain. Yeah, they're like creating problems. Their life doesn't have real problems. There's no. Say that Fight Club thing. There's no great war. There's no great struggle. There's no like. It's like I mean, it's I, common. It's I just common. said it, I just <laughs> said this yesterday. I do. I do. You know, my our men's group and we talk. You know, and I said that yesterday. I was like, dude, we're living in a current. Currently, our society is living through a Fight Club. It's like, there's no major war that some of these kids are ever dealing with or ever have to. But it's common, man. Oh no, I know. I, I can't wait to beat China in the Third World War. You know, I can't wait to win a, win a Third World get that championship belt for the third time. It's it's kind of bad because Germany's gonna be on our side this time. Though, so I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, they're not too good at world wars, you know. So we gotta worry about <laughs> we gotta worry about yeah. these allies we got. Yeah, we we haven't been too good at winning a few wars either, dude. The last few we've we've gotten spanked. It's kind of weird, you know. Like you know, Iraq and Afghanistan is as much as you know all of us who who served and were proud of our service. When you sit back and watch the way we we pulled out, was like, damn, that don't feel good. You know what I'm saying? And Vietnam didn't feel good either. So it's this weird time. <laughs> like we gotta we gotta figure this out, man. You know, yeah, it's, a, it's a very strange time we're living in, man. 
Yeah, like Biden pulling out of Afghanistan, man, was like the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, I mean, I mean, being in war, war is always kind of foolish to me, but it has to happen. I get it. I get that, like, there's a lot going on in the world that I don't understand. And, like, it's like men in black, you know, it's like, I like, most of it's like first days, like, it's like, oh, they're trying to end the world and all stuff. It's like, that happens every day. <laughs> like, I mean, it's yeah. like, that's like the concept of America. You know, we're, we're, we're top dog and everybody's mad about it, you know? It's like, uh, you don't yeah, believe we, their, their reformations. We, you know? we have an incredible fighting force. Our military is incredible yeah incredible what they do and you know it's not our military who's at fault for anything when it comes down to who makes the decisions in that chair you know what i'm saying and and all we are is you know we, we're just pawns in that little game and but when you put you put the men to do work man we do some we do work and that's the something that i'm super proud of our american military especially our our special operations communities oh yeah there's not i mean no military is even close i mean china can print as many like things as they want but they're cowards comparatively speaking i mean it is you know not to be rude but just like i mean i just like i look at them like you guys are i mean they have a population that's all, that's all they're relying on but i mean america is innovative i mean we have we, we have the best of everyone man if you were if you were the best chinese scientist you're now american it just doesn't even make sense that they're trying you know it's like we have the all-star team it's like and like people I mean, forget we've that war, we've been at war for two decades bro you know what i mean all you do is learn from that every time you're at war you learn from it from the bad things from the good things you learn how to get better standard operating procedures and you just become better. It's a sharper tool. Yeah. Yeah. We've been at war for a long time. I think I've been at war for, for, for like, for man, for like for centuries almost, you know, it's like, I mean, just, I mean we're just, we're, we're just that big brother that like borrows money and beats your ass. You know, it's like, that's, I mean, that's basically where we are. And it's like, I mean, I don't know. That's the way we're on the world. And like, I'm, I, but people don't act like it. people, everyone's like a terrified to be like strong and amazing and stuff. You know, it's like, they just want to complain all day. They're like, Oh, like it's capitalism's fault. I'm a loser. I'm just like, mm. I'm like, that's not, no, nah, it's probably your fault. You're a loser. You know, it's like, and then yeah. communism, these people think communism's good. They'd starve the fastest. It just makes no sense. You know, I mean, they're like, they're like, oh, communism's good. I'm like, I mean, for five guys that aren't you, communism's good. You know, it's just like, those guys are first in the camp. The guys are like, I'm communist. I'm like, well, you're gonna be in the camp oh. first, stupid. You know, it's like, Jesus. The craziest thing is watching, watching these, this generation reading, you know, a, a, you know, Osama bin Laden's, you know, journal, and they're all sympathizing for him. I was like, this is the times we live in, bro. Did you see that? They, yeah, they, that was on that TikTok trend. Yeah, no, it's nuts. It's like, uh, it's like, man, they're just laughing all the way to the fucking bank with us, man. It's, it's nuts. I mean, I mean, the internet raised these kids, man. They had no parents. Like 70% of fatherless uh, households. I mean, there's no, I was watching the ads uh, earlier. Like every ad had a family back in the day. Now it's just like, just, like it's just no emphasis on the family, no interest on country. You know, they like everyone's godless. It's just like it went downhill without values fast. And like, and like, if you ask me in the two thousands, I thought our values were too strong. You know, as a kid, I'm like, I'm like trying to rebel against it. As an adult, I'm like, let's return to values. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly it, man. It's an interesting time. I mean, raising kids is an interesting time because, you know, me being someone who believes in God, family, and country. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the top toxic masculinity, you know, <laughs> I'm the, the stable for toxic masculinity to some people, man. And it's just crazy to crazy time. And I just wish like the hard part is like social media is such a, it's such an open platform. It gives everyone some kind of stage to stand on and some kind of voice that, that they feel that they have any kind of validity to even use it. Yeah. But we gave the power to the fat white girls with purple hair. We gave, we gave all the power to, to them, man. Like they, they hold all the power. They, they know what they, they're, they're the, they're the last word of racism. They're the last word of everything. You know, like they know it's racist. They know everything. They know everything. And like, and like you better not fuck up or you're, you're going to not have a job because they're so, they care so much about people. It's an interesting time, man. It's an interesting like, time. 
It makes no sense. They're like, like, well, I disagreed with something so on the internet. So you have to starve in the street. You can't have a job yeah. anymore. It's like what well, you're gonna financially destroy somebody you disagree with. Like, dude, we used to we used to make those YouTube videos, and we made a video about post traumatic stress. And what happened is a girl came home with some balloons, and the balloons popped, and we all jumped off the couch. We all pulled our guns, and we we're all screaming and stuff like that, right? And we thought it was hilarious because we were all veterans who struggled with post traumatic stress. So, like, why can't we make fun of ourselves? And that video got so much hate from people that would be like, I have a friend who's married to someone who has post-traumatic stress. <laughs> like, you can't third party this argument, lady. We have post-traumatic stress. Like, allow us to, to, to make fun of ourselves and create content that was relatable to other veterans who have post-traumatic stress. That was, the, that was the reason why we did it. But people were shitting all over us for their third party argument of like, I know someone has post-traumatic stress. This isn't funny. And we had to come back and be like, yeah, well, that's us. And so we think it's fucking funny as hell. And uh, it's just this really interesting time that everyone wants to have a voice and everybody wants to feel so convicted in, in their beliefs. But but in, in all honesty, that's what's causing so much turmoil. That's what's causing so much division that everyone wants to argue and everyone wants to banter and everyone wants to have an opinion. And it's becoming you know, the biggest problem that we have. You know, it is. It's destroying our entire nation. It's like just a bunch of weak people arguing and complaining about like stuff that's not even cool. And it's just like, like, like I just like I remember like those kids like in school. They'd be like, I don't like this. It's like shut up. You know, it's like I don't care what you like. You know, it's like we're almost gonna have to come back. There. The pendulum swings back hard on these people. And I feel bad for them really because like I mean, it's, yeah. it, I mean they, they ruined our society and then they got it's gotta go. We just yeah. got to learn how to keep scrolling and block. You know what I mean? Scroll and block, scroll and block. Get well, they're doing it to their family now is the problem. Like they're b blocking their grandma from a fucking meme, you know? And, and, and not talking to, like, the people, the reason they're on earth, you know? It's like, they, they, they say no values are taught, man. They took God out of society, mostly, I think. Man, I think that's the biggest problem. Is it's like no taking God out, of, God out of society. And these people have no, like, like comprehension of the gospel or no comp comprehension of, like, Jesus Christ or God or anything like that. And they live like that. They live like they're godless. Yeah, I think that that's, I mean, from my own personal belief, you know, I, I'm, I'm a man of God and, you know, we're going to, we're going to continue to raise our kids and believing that as well and, and guide them and show them why, because I think the society without God seems to be a little lost at times. There's no moral kind of, it seems to be, I'll just say, yeah, I find it to be, you see, there's a lot of people who feel lost. And I think even like I work with a lot of men. You know, I work with a lot of men who are, are feeling struggling. And I think one of the first things you realize is a lot of these guys who are struggling, they lose their faith, right? Whether it was, you know, it's like faith trauma, like they grew up and they felt like they hated their church or whatever. But eventually when you, you kind of get to, to ground someone a little bit and they, they see that they need some kind of spiritual guidance, you know, I think it's part of all of us is, you know, emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, and professional. But that spiritual sense, uh, you know, I think it's a form of grounding. I think it's a form of kind of humbling all of us, knowing that there is a higher power that that kind of has established its position here and, and created us. And, and, and in, in our path to enlightenment, you, 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 you seem to find some very intelligent people go right back to faith again. And, uh, you know, I think it's an interesting time. I just kind of keep trying to teach my kids what I believe and, and hopefully it sticks with them. And, and if they ever find themselves lost, I hope they circle back to, to their faith that, you know, that, that foundation and, and, and that, you know, that there is a higher power that's guiding. No, definitely. That was very well said, man. You're very articulate. And I, can I can tell why you write books, man. You got you have a lot of good words. <laughs> no, and I, and I agree with that. I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm a servant of God as well. And I, and I think that, like, that's, I mean, that's definitely the crumbling of society. Is like, the, I mean, that's at least a basis of values. And, like, I mean, I don't see one, I don't see one example of somebody not having values and doing well. You know, like, most like, the darkness in people is let them beat them, you know? Like, they's like, they're like, oh, I guess I'm bad at everything forever because, like, like, I'm in a bad mood. You know, it's like, I, that's how it seems like to me. It's like, I don't understand it, and I don't 
care to really. It's just like I just want to keep winning, you know. And yeah, I just, I, I just keep moving. I, you know, I focus on my little circle, make sure my circle's good. Outside of that, it's out of my control. Let it go. Yeah, yeah, it's all out of our control. Yeah, it's just like we're we're lucky to even be here. You know, it's like it's it's definitely a weird time, and it's probably, we probably had a lot of weird times. I I just like I just can't believe people listen to these people. It's like it's like uh, like cancel culture is just crazy to me. It's like it's like in the future, no one's gonna have a job. Like basically, it's like you know what I mean. Like that's like it's like your punishment. You can't work at fuck. You can't work at Walmart, I guess, because you said something on the internet one time. And it's like it's just a weird fascism. It's like the most boring fascism I've ever seen in my life. It's like I thought I thought America could take it over in a cooler way. You know, I like I'm 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 against how boring this takeover is. You know, <laughs> that's funny. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> it's true. It's just like it's like an ideology thing. It's like a, it's like a culture war, and we're losing it. You know? Yeah, like, we're losing we're losing the information war, right? The the information war, the 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 power of the social media memes and information, right? That like it's kind of like why you know news can have different narratives, you know, and that's an information war. People people soak in the information that they 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 receive. It's almost like the immediate gratification information, and so uh, you know headlines and titles is what they run with, and then they go share it and they say, "Oh my God, can you believe it?" And <laughs> and in the end, they really didn't read any of the article and they didn't really digest whether they felt it was real or not. Like we we, we lost the ability to to uh, you know you know, deep dive into, into complex topics and try and make an opinion of it. Instead, we just run with the title and say, this is fact. And that's really what's hurting us. We're losing that, that war of information, right? When, when that border patrol agent, you know, had that so-called whipping, do you remember that whole incident? Yeah. 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 Like people ran with the first narrative. The first narrative was like, he was whipping them and, you know, and that was like insane. Cause right away I already knew like when you ride a horse, you have the reins and how he was managing the horse had nothing to do with whipping, but, on social media that took off like wildfire because people ran with the title and they believed it because it's such an angry time and people are emotionally invested into immigration that they're looking for that demon. They're looking for that bad guy. And so when they see this picture and it looks from the angle a little odd, they first assume like, oh, he must be whipping him. And then boom, it gets all the way up to the president who who starts kind of reprimanding him verbally. And you're like, wait a minute, hold up. <laughs> this, how did it get this crazy? Like, how did it go so far where they put this, they put this guy who was doing his job apprehending illegal immigrants uh, who are attempting to enter into this country. He was doing his job. And then now he's on, you know, administrative leave until they further investigate it. Like, it was just like, it was so bizarre. It actually would inspire me to write the book. I sat there like, this is crazy. Like, this is crazy that, that one little title and one picture can be pulled out of context and used as a weapon to, to almost make a guy lose his job. Not even that the whole, the whole horse patrol at that point in, in Del Rio was, was, uh, you know, was getting criticized and ridiculed for it. And it was just crazy. And so it really was the moment I said, I should write this book. I should actually try and educate people on exactly what the job is of a border agent, because maybe at least that piece of the pie of information will be answered for those who are kind of confused or maybe probably don't know enough, you know? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a lot, man. Like the, a similar thing I can relate to is like uh, that, uh, that George Floyd thing, like everybody like pretending like it was about racism. Like this guy dies, right? And then the guy who supposedly killed him is in jail, gets stabbed, and like the left like celebrates that. Like, they're, like, they're, they're, like, they're like, oh yeah, good thing he got stabbed. I'm like, I thought you cared about people. Like you mean like the entire reason you like you pretend you, like they're like, well, yeah, I burned down my entire town because I care about racism and I care about people and stuff. I'm like, this doesn't correlate at all. Like, like yeah, none of this makes any sense. And you, and you seem like insane to people when you try to explain it to them. Like, it makes yeah, those- it it was odd to me. And you can celebrate that. Like, I don't know who would ever celebrate someone getting hurt in prison. Well, it's because they thought he was guilty for, for, for killing, you know, George Floyd, but 
wasn't there just proof that he died from from an overdose and not the asphyxiation? It no, was no. just it's it's very weird, right? That that just recently came out and no one cared, and they even even the judge um, is not even looking at it, right? Not not thinking about turning over the case, which is just it, it's it's odd to me because I think in our time now, if it, there was never a time when this would be a thing where you know like people's emotions are 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 swayed by narratives that are not true or or assumed right like we used to be a place that would have facts like here's the case here's the facts let's investigate it, and here's our decision but again it's, it was one of those things that was emotionally charged and it was emotionally charged and pulled out of context heavily you know i was in law enforcement for years you know that that need to his back uh could be deemed as dangerous at times but at the same time that's you that's one of the rest techniques that are taught you grab the wrist put your knee across your back and you start handcuffing now obviously the the george floyd was was on drugs at the time and you know maybe you know but I, that's a further investigation that had to be done and when it was done you know there's there's conflicts of information and now all of a sudden you know the 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 original you know autopsy show that he died of an overdose and so it's, it's, it's like we're in a crazy time man where the facts doesn't doesn't matter the facts doesn't matter it just it, it's the emotions of the people and how we want to please people with decisions and it gets scary. It gets scary that we're in, we're in a time like that where people are going to prison for things like that for because of emotionally charged topics, but not facts. I, I just find it scary. No, it makes no sense. It's terrifying. It's it's literally terrifying. I remember like arguing with people about that. I'm like, I'm like, can anyone prove that George Floyd was killed for being black? Like, is there any evidence whatsoever that he was he was murdered because of his skin color? And like people were like flipping out, like like trying to call me all these names and stuff. I'm like, I'm like insulting me. It's not evidence. Like, is there any evidence like of this at all? And, yeah. and, and I'm just like, I get that there's racism. I'm not trying to deny that people aren't racist, but I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, this. I just saw no evidence of it in that case whatsoever. I just saw some zero yeah. evidence at all. Yeah, you know, and and it's because that that topic is a very um, emotional topic because right because a lot of the controversy on that cops are killing blacks and so you know rightfully so if you feel that way about a topic you, you have every right to be you know what i mean i'm not black so i can't speak on that but i know what it's like to be brown and get pulled over and get nervous as shit you know what i mean uh, and i and i get it but at the same time you know um i think everything is a case-by-case -case situation and we have to really see it as a case-by-case -case. you know the the idea that you know, cops are, are killing people. Uh, that's a scary thing to, to push. And when you start to do that, you demonize cops. You know, um, it makes it dangerous for law enforcement as well, but it makes it dangerous for both sides of the party because now everyone's nervous. Like the cops are nervous and, and the, the, the you know, the person who's getting pulled over is nervous and it makes the whole thing. It's it's so different from when we were younger. When we were younger, like we all respect the cops. And even if you didn't respect cops, you didn't, you know, you didn't, I didn't feel threatened to the point of death until more recently you know, you start to like, man, is this a thing or not? And so that questionable conversation becomes emotionally driven, which becomes everything that happens in that same car conversation, boom, is like a hot button topic. And so it's part of the social media issue. It's part of, you know, the, the free information issue of like everyone has a voice and has an opinion. And it's also part of how Americans receive information and, and don't know how to decipher what's real and what's not, what's not. Yeah. Yeah. Some people just can't tell if they're being lied to. It seems like a, uh... Oh, I mean, dude, I have, dude, I, dude, I'm just, just to, on that note, I have like hundreds of older women who are being conned by pictures of me by some dude, like these guys in Africa are conning them using my picture. And I'm always like, how does this happen so often? It's because people still don't understand social media and, 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 
they're very vulnerable on social media and they get conned into this. Some lady just the other day, she goes, oh my God, we were talking four years ago um, and I didn't know you were married. I'm like, lady, I don't know who the hell you are. And it wasn't me for sure. It was someone using my picture on another profile. Obviously you see my book coming out. They saw my face and they started tracking me down. They're like, oh, we were talking. You lied to me. I'm like, no, lady, I don't know you. And no offense, but she was like 70 years old, right? And I'm like, lady, I promise you it wasn't me. You know what I mean? And and um, but you know, people very vulnerable with social media. They don't realize that people can con them. They don't realize that people can just post something as as like like you know the Babylon B, right? It's like it's fake, but people share it sometimes thinking it's real because they get they 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 get fooled, you know. And it's like it's a really crazy time, man. Yeah, it is. What a what a divine subculture. No, that like uh, that's crazy. I think that's the the best alibi to bank seven year olds, though. You know, you're usually. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll just mess with you, bro. My wife, <laughs> my wife's gonna kill me. <laughs> well, uh, I'll buy a book just in case for that joke. I'll buy, I'll, I'll buy a book for every uncomfortable joke I have. So, well, uh, thank you for the seven dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, man. That's funny, dude. But no, I, <laughs> it's hard to go back to serious talk. But no, it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely a weird ride, man. I, and um. Uh, Let's talk about TV shows, I guess. That's something cool. People probably like that. I got people love that stuff. And so, um, so what, okay. I, I never, I don't watch TV. I don't mean to be rude about it or anything, but I still, okay. want, you, you'll have me, I'll, I will buy your audio book before I'll ever watch TV. And I, and I actually plan on buying your audio book after you told me you read it. So, um, and people watching, uh, he, he actually reads his own audio book. So it's, I think that's cool. That's, uh, I think that's a good, good addition. Um, but anyway, no, uh, where was I going before that? Movies, TV shows. Yeah, your TV show. Yeah, okay. So what exactly? Okay, so that was like a spinoff of like uh, Sons of Anarchy, basically. Yeah, it's a spinoff of Sons of Anarchy. So if you watch Sons of Anarchy, or anyone who's listening, watch Sons of Anarchy. I look one... like I do, but I don't. You know, I look like. I... <laughs> <laughs> well, I... one of the rivals, one of the rival, uh, I guess, MCs was uh, an MC called Mayans, uh, and so essentially, when that show ended, ours was picked up. And we are the now the highlight is on us and the enemy now is Sons of Anarchy and a couple others out there. So, you know, we ran for five seasons and wow. it was incredible. It was beautiful. It was poetic. It was tragic. It was all those things. Uh, we had a blast and I wish the show never ended. But, you know, all good things come to an end. And uh, now it's time to go work on something new. So you were, you were on all five seasons? Yeah. That's bad. That's a real <laughs> that's a real deal, bro. That's awesome, man. That's yeah, I was, there, I was there from the first take all the way to the last. That's impressive, man. That's, that's a long time. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, that's crazy. You know, I, I, there's so much going on, man. There's so much content. Where can people find this? Is on Apple or like? Uh, yeah, you can find it. It's on Hulu and FX. Uh, so if you have Hulu, you can find it there. Um, you're gonna have me watching now. I'm like, dude, I had this guy on my podcast one time. I, I no, bro. So, so if you're if you're into faith based films at all, I have another film called Lucy Shimmers and the Prince of Peace. It is a what? Christmas movie. And I okay. promise you, it'll fuck you up. It is emotional. It is dope. Um, it, on 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 TikTok, I think it has something like 12 billion views of one of the clips of it. Wow. It's extremely viral. Uh, it goes viral like twice a year, it seems like. In, in right now, during the time of Christmas, it's probably the biggest. So if you guys are listening right now, if you if you think you're, you're man enough to not cry in a movie, go watch this movie. And I promise you, it's going to crush the whole family. And it'll become something that you guys watch every year. I promise. What's it called again? Lucy Shimmers and the Prince of Peace. What's it on? It's on Amazon. You can buy it on Amazon. I think you can buy it on Fubo too, or whatever the heck Tubo Tubi. Cool, cool. Can I borrow, can I borrow ten bucks? 
<laughs> Thank you for your one dollar. That's probably all I get from that. <laughs> no, that's cool. I'll check it out, man. Too. I said, yeah, I like. Uh, my wife watches a lot of stuff. I watch. I watch some stuff with her sometimes. I'm, I'm. I'm more of like I don't know, man. I like audio books a lot. Like I tear through stuff while I work, man. So I'll, uh, you're gonna have me reading that borderline book. Like, um, you'll like is, it. What's the synopsis of that? More so, I haven't. I, I didn't do any homework. You know, what is uh, I'm joking. Um, I'm, um, <laughs> I'm making fun of myself, but no. Uh, well, yeah. What's the more or less synopsis of that? Like, I'll definitely get it. But what was uh. Of what? Of your book. Like, what is, like, kind of a synopsis of it? Like, Genuinely, yeah. I just talk about my career and throughout from beginning to end of my career and the things that I've experienced as a Border Patrol agent. But sprinkled in throughout it is different uh, reasons of why we do certain things in the immigration process and explains the difference between immigration and homeland security. Uh, it explains kind of the career field, head to toe, the actual job nuts and bolts of what we do uh but through my eyes and so it's it's pretty cool man it's a fun book uh you know a lot of guys who, who've done the career they, they appreciated it but as well as people who had questions they've really enjoyed it so i'm proud of it man i'm excited about it that's awesome no it sounds cool like it's like uh, yeah it's like i i, I think i i talked to you about a week ago so i didn't have time to, to listen to it yet but i want to definitely like uh it seemed cool. And I like seeing success, man. I like seeing people like actually, you know, how I many people I know that want to do write a book or do something. I, I just like seeing like people do it, man. It's like well, it I'm, ain't I'm, easy. It ain't easy, but but now that I got it figured out, you know, I plan to knock out a lot more. I can't uh, even read, so I'm just like I'm impressed. Even I can write a book, you know. It's like uh, <laughs> okay, I'm from Missouri. They don't even teach us. They don't even teach us words here. So it's like it's okay, you know. It's a uh, no. I think so. Is this your first book then? Oh, uh, no, I've written a few. Okay, but what's some name name drop some other ones for like what we got here? Uh, my light diffuse. I don't know if I have it. Is your bookshelf just covered in books you wrote? Oh, books I've read, books I've read, books I wrote. Um, I like that. One, one, yeah, one's called uh, Light Diffuse that you can find on Amazon. That's about my my trans transition out of the military, but it talks about like my trans transition in life and understanding and breaking down like perspectives of of transitioning so it can make it easier for people. Uh, I wrote one called Sugar Man, which is a fiction kind of a short novel, um, and then I wrote two kids books. One called uh, My Dad. Uh, I don't even know what the hell my military dad does the craziest things. I think it's called. What the hell is it? Do you, do you ever sleep? Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, my, there you go. My dad has the most important job in the world. That's and, awesome. And then my military dad does uh, does things a little different. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I forget I even have those, but yeah. And then, <laughs> and then this book. This book is like the most serious book I wrote, you know, and it kind of, it made me step out of my comfort zone. Um, and yeah, I was interested in that. I definitely, that's why I reached out originally is that, Book looked awesome, man. I was like, I definitely want to check it out. Like, uh, your, your obituary is me long as fuck, man. <laughs> it's gonna be like like thirty years. Everybody's like, can we? I don't want to go. It's say Vincent Vargas. He came. He saw. He left. Done. <laughs> Call it. I just like I feel like it's gonna be a lot longer than that, bro. After how many books you've written, TV shows, all that stuff, it's gonna be like the longest obituary. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much had ADD. That's all it is, dude. Oh, it's awesome. I love seeing it, man. I love seeing dreams come true and stuff. And um, do you want to throw out any more links before we get out here? So I usually try to. Oh man, it. it's um, too easy, dude. You know, you go check out the book again. I'll show you again. The book you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on. Uh, you can get it at Barnes and Noble. You can get an audio book where I read it myself, so you'll enjoy that. Uh, you guys can check out my podcast called Vinny Rock Podcast. It's on you know YouTube mainly, um, but it's everywhere you can get podcasts um but on top of that you know we're, we're just out here doing our thing if you guys are, are men and, and kind of 
you know, looking for kind of a group to help with, the, you know, the mental health side of things. I do a lot of that. So you can message me on any social media platform. If you're a veteran and looking for kind of a community, hit me up. Um, I'm all about, you know, serving the people, man. So if you guys have any questions or anything, just hit me up on social media, Vincent Rocco Vargas, everywhere you look. Awesome. Yeah, no, thank you for uh, going backwards in your career and being here. Uh, I, I appreciate you calling on. I'm, I'm definitely going to check out your book. I'll hit you up after I actually read it so I know what I'm talking about, you know. Yeah, dude, for sure. Definitely, man. Well, I, I appreciate it. And um, if you're watching at home, uh, thank you for being desperate enough to watch my show. Um, I, I thought I thought better of you. I thought you had better plans. I thought you, had, you know, I thought you had more to do than than just watch us kind of creepily. It's like 400 people just watching us. Kind of, it's kind of weird. It's weirding me out a little bit. So I'm gonna get out of here. Um, I might I might be back tomorrow. I might be back Monday. You know, we have Jim Brewer on Monday. If you're watching, Jim Brewer's a big comedian. Cool. Um, I'm gonna get out of here. This is getting awkward. You know. Yeah, bro. I'll hit you up later, Anthony. I appreciate you, bro. Later on, man. Wish you continued success. Bye.